Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi there, it's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning Morning, Divorce Sucks podcast listeners. I'm Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains. And this is... The Sunny Side Up Report, <laughs> brought to you by It's Over Easy. This is where Johnny and I discuss all of the interesting and cutting-edge dissolutions, separation, often relationship, marriage, co-parenting, things that we have been able to cull from the Internet yes. during the week. And what a week it's been. What a week it's been. What a week it's going to be. I was trolling around and found on Glamour.com. Yes. They're doing a week-long series, which I find fascinating. It's called My Millennial Divorce, a week of stories that explore uncoupling in a modern world. These millennials can cannot stay out of the news, can they? <laughs> That's kind of a big swath of the population. In any event, Elizabeth Kiefer of Glamour.com started this series. I definitely think that any of our listeners who are interested should check it out. It'll be up for a while, even if you're hearing this after the week of November 6th. Yes. But basically, she says that after divorce rates peaked during the 1970s and 1980s, much has made of the fact that they are now on decline, especially among millennials. Still, if you're thinking about splitting or you've already been through a divorce... Sunny statistics aren't exactly useful. Throughout this week-long series, Glamour.com explores what it means to uncouple in a modern world. It's interesting. She goes on to say that today's young couples are essentially doing the exact opposite of what couples in the previous decades did. Allegedly, millennials are saying that they're being more selective about who we settle down with, and we're making it official at older ages, often in our 30s. And we've talked about this before. You know, my position on this is that divorce is probably going to come to them later in life. It may come to them later in life, but I think the point is they're going to do it better. They're mm -hmm. going to do it more. More wisely. When I wrote my book, It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, the original title was This Is Not Your Parents' Divorce. Right. I, as you know, Johnny, really, really want whether people get married, stay married, get divorced, uh, cohabit, I want people to go in with their eyes open and I want to change the way we look at divorce. And I think that, you know, series like this one on Glamour.com are really important because she gives you some key legal terms that right. it's imperative for couples to know. And the way that things have changed in the last 
last, I don't know, 30, 40 years. She says you'll also find intel on Americans who love their pets so much they're hammering out custody agreements over them in wow. court. How divorce party planning services are alive and well, what it's like to have sex for the first time after being in a committed marriage for years, and what it feels like to gain 60 pounds after splitting with your husband and turn it into a business opportunity. Hmm. There's another article by Tanya Edwards that right. was on yesterday's the 26th. The divorce registry isn't a thing, but it should be. Absolutely. And again, what she's talking about is when you get married, you do a registry and you get a bunch of stuff, whether it's Crate and Barrel, William Sonoma. Right. And often, I know when I got married in 1993, I still think now in 2018, I have a waffle maker that was never open that's <laughs> just come with me to all my different houses. You get a lot of stuff that you may have registered for, but you don't actually need as you're kind of setting up the homestead. Right. And what Tanya Edwards says in her Glamour.com blog article is that what we should have is a divorce registry because when you move out, you lose half of your stuff. You give him the waffle maker that perhaps you really did use quite a bit and now you have no waffle maker. So, And it could be other things. It could be the coffee machine. It could be four of eight plates or well, I think you, know, you need new sheets. You definitely need new sheets. So it's a very interesting article. I think you guys should check it out. It's totally cool. Yeah. And I love the whole idea of this series because, again, as she says, whether you're on the precipice of divorce yourself or just curious about what uncoupling looks like right now, check back all week long for the above and much more. So that's on Glamour.com. And, of course, all of this kind of information is also all year round on It's Over Easy on our Absolutely. blogs and, and what we talk about here on our podcast. There's some interesting uh, stuff here. Uh, we'll just jump out of the millennial generation to the Gen X generation whose parents are now getting gray divorces. Uh, the gray divorces are divorces that happen later in life. And it's interesting because there is a ton of information, like you were just saying, on our blog, we have a lot of information. In fact, today in the studio, we're going to be talking about how to tell your kids about divorce and how to prepare them for divorce. But adults who are, have their parents going through a divorce, there's not always that many easy-to-find resources. ACODs were called Adult Children of Divorce. So anyway, as divorce rates among adults over 50, I guess we're the great divorce now, Johnny. <laughs> Many adult children of longtime married parents have difficulty dealing with feelings of bewilderment and loss with mm -hmm. few places to turn for advice and support. Tara Gaspard on Pathios.com wrote this article. Yes. It was up last week. I'm sure you can still find it. It is interesting that in spite of the fact that the so-called gray divorce rate more than doubled between 1990 wow. and 2010, there are very few guidelines for adult children dealing with changing families. And especially now during the holidays, we kind of need to know what we're supposed to be doing with yes. these adult parents of ours. Absolutely. I mean, well, she gives five ways for adult children to deal with their parents separating or divorce. So here they are. Number one, maintain healthy boundaries. Number two, resist being in the middle between your parents, which I think is very interesting because obviously when you're an adult, you feel like you should be able to be an adult with your parents. But oftentimes, even as an adult, we still have an adult child relationship with our parents. So that's something to work on with the therapist. Number three, she says, express your feelings calmly and clearly. I think it's interesting in this article, she calls out to daughters in particular who may find themselves feeling emotionally upset by the news of their parents' split. According to Luann Brizendine, MD, women value emotional expression more than men do, and their memory is better for emotional memories due to their amygdala being more activated by emotional nuance. That's how sexual to me. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to... Jeff, your amygdala is showing. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, attempt to maintain a close relationship with both of your parents. And number five, stop comparing your romantic relationships with your parents. Let me clarify what she means by that. Attempt to see yourself as capable of learning from the past rather than repeating it. Got it. I found this last week, but I just love it. It's an article in Madame Noir, mm. um, and it's by Ara. Oh, no. How do I pronounce <laughs> this last name? Well, let's just say Ms. Ara L. Okay. I think it's an I. R-I. R-I. In any event, she writes, we don't want to be spouses. We just want to get married. And again, I think we've talked about this a lot, particularly women. We don't necessarily want to have a, a husband or a wife. What we want is to have a big wedding party. And that's why people keep going back and doing it so many times. It's so romantic and you've got right. the dress and the flowers the and, and it's your day and you're a princess and it's fantastic. Also, the things that go along with having that wedding planning, the security, the gifts, as we mentioned before, and the All registry. Your friends around. Yeah, weddings are great. And what she writes is, I, I've heard the phrase, marriage is just a piece of paper uttered by my peers more times than I can count. And still, like clockwork, as wedding season wrapped up recently, my timeline was full of brides and bows, relationship goals, and bay announcements. Despite our overall reluctance and casual dismissal of the idea of marriage altogether, we cannot get enough of weddings themselves. We want the picture-perfect proposal, complete with semi-candid photographs, cheerful and instant bystanders. We want the elaborate bridesmaid invitations, choreographed bachelor and bachelorette dance challenges, and blog-worthy bridal party entrances. Most of us have been dreaming of our wedding day since we were young, down to the most minute details. Detail. Too bad few of us are that excited about what happens after the wedding. See, that's the unfortunate thing, because for people, for example, in the same-sex community who had to fight so hard for marriage equality, I think that as a gay man, when I got married, it was such a special thing, and my relationship is a really special thing, but I never had the dream of the special day before marriage equality. Right. So I think it's Wait a minute. You had that dream. Well... You and I have been talking about that dream for years. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, I officiated Johnny and Michael's wedding. Yes, I'm sure that was part of the dream. <laughs> but... That was a really important day for it you, was. but you guys are quite lucky that it hasn't turned into the doldrums post-wedding, right. and I don't know how much that has to do with the fact that you guys had to fight for it, because if memory serves, you had a pretty great cohabitation relationship True. and partnership True. even before it became legal to get married, but I think that what Ara is saying in yes. her article is so many people get caught up in the, the wedding of it all, right. that the actual, once the bloom is off the rose... They don't know what to do. Well, you don't want to have to... What did, what did Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg say that somebody quoted in that other article? I don't want somebody in my house. <laughs> I mean, that's just the joys of being single. Well, and so some people really don't get that. And I do feel that the older we get, the more set in our ways mm-hmm. we become. So once you've established your own house and your way of doing things and not having to clean somebody else's mess or compromise with somebody else's lifestyle habits, it, right. it is a little bit harder to switch over. Well, it's interesting when you add in age to this discussion and you think about the millennial flight that Starving for Attention podcast we're talking about. Millennial flight is essentially people in their 20s and 30s who are deciding to go back home, back to the rural areas where they came from and leaving the big cities. And in those rural areas, as we know from some of the statistics and some of the articles that we've gone through this week and last week, in the small towns, that's where people get married younger. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Next week, we're going to be talking about an article that I read that says the divorce rate is dropping. That may not actually be good news and how, once again, our country is almost being polarized by socioeconomic hmm. changes and how that works and why people that are actually younger are getting married while other millennials are waiting until later. So we'll talk about that next week on the Sunny Side Up Report. Fabulous. Anything else you'd like to add for this week, Johnny? You look gorgeous today. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> we're doing a shoot for the Daily Mail later on. Yes. Keep your television DVRs tuned in. Day in the life of the glamorous. Okay. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. This is Laura Wasser and Johnny Rains. <laughs> Sunny side up report. <laughs> Bye, America. Now that we are officially in the holiday season, if you're like me, I'm sure you've got gifts on mind. Why not make the first gift you get one for you? I went ahead and subscribed to Fab Fit Fun. If you haven't heard about it yet, well, first of all, you clearly haven't been listening to my podcast because I talk about it all the time because I'm obsessed. But I'll forgive you because you're making that up to me now. Fab Fit Fun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. The winter box is absolutely epic. It retails for $49.99, but it always has a value of over $200. It has skincare from Glam Glow, Kate Somerville, Dr. Brandt, Anthropology, and Juice Beauty. Fashion items from Vince Camuto, Bear Paw, Free People, Michael Stars, Trina Turk, and Millie. Beauty products from Tarte, Moroccan Oil, Beauty Blender, Oscar Blondie, and Zoya. That winter box is available now, but sign up fast because they sell out faster than you can imagine. You really won't want to miss this box. Check out www.fabfitfun.com and use the code DIVORCE at checkout so you can save an additional $10 off of your first box, making it only $39.99. Again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the code DIVORCE. In the season of giving, don't leave yourself hanging, guys. You deserve to treat yourself. Today's Divorce Sucks podcast is about co-parenting and the ways parents, family members, and close friends can help children navigate their parents' breakup. Our followers know my position on the subject of co-parenting. I believe that you have to really, really love the person with whom you procreated. Figure out a way to tap into that love because it's important to your kids. Those of you who are new to the It's Over Easy community, you're in the right place because we know divorce is difficult and breaking up or the dissolution of a marriage may be one of the most intense things you'll ever go through which is why we've created a safe place for you where you can connect with others on our social channels, those who are going through the very same things. You've got a community and you can empower yourself with knowledge on itsovereasy.com and find support when you need it at It's Over Easy, the index, our curated directory of trusted providers and licensed professionals offering an array of services. We've come up with the evolution of dissolution, which is where we speak with and collaborate with mental health professionals. And one of these esteemed professionals features in the Index is my guest today, Associate Professor at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA, psychiatrist, author of Permission to Parent, and parenting expert, Dr. Robin Berman. Welcome to Divorce Sex, Robin. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love how you started about downloading the love part. Yes. Tell us a <laughs> that, little bit about that, because I know that you talk about that a lot in your work. Yes. I mean, that. I think you just hit on the pull. That we could be done now. <laughs> <because> <laughs> that's, Good interview. That's 
that that's that's the heart of the whole thing is is getting back to a place where you can get past the rage. There's so much rage and anger and sadness. It's like death. It's grief work. Yes. It's the loss of a family. It's the loss of your life partner. It's the loss of expectations. It's a change in your plan. And it's very, it's like an earthquake. Everything's shaking and disruptive. And it's easy to speak from a place of anger and sadness. But for children, and I'll just start actually and end with this story. Years ago, years ago in Chicago in my training, a thousand years ago, um, I saw a very high conflict divorce and uh, I saw a young teenager and I asked him, from your perspective, what would you think would be the best advice for your parents? And he said, I would ask, what does love do? Nice. How does love talk? Right. So they were talking from a place of anger and hostility and fighting through him and triangulating, talking about the other parent, you know, having there should only be you should only talk about the person in the room. Right. right. You don't want to start talking about the person who's not in the room. That's what we call a, an emotional triangle. And so he just that whole context. So that's the frame. What would love do if you were your highest self? You know, everybody has a little girl and a woman, a little boy and a man. If you spoke from that higher self, what, what would that look like in terms of helping and shielding your kids? Because they need to be shielded from the emotional suffering. That part you can shield. You can't shield them from divorce. You can't shield them from the reality of living in separate homes and not being a family in the way that they were used to. But you can buffer the emotional pain. So that's the topic for today. How, how do kids... In in a perfect world, in a way that pa- if parents were doing everything that you had tr- given them the tools to do, mm-hmm. how do kids process divorce? Every child is different. It's obviously based on how old they are, how much they understand intellectually, what their temperament is, what their relationship is like with each parent. And so a lot of it is when you sit down to tell your kids you're getting divorced. Before you do it, actually, I'd watch the movie Mr. Rogers, the documentary on Mr. Rogers, which if you haven't seen it, definitely watch it because, and I'm I'm old, so I'm dating myself as someone who grew up on Mr. Rogers. I did too. I did too. Great. Divorce. <laughs> so, what you rem- he talked about divorce. He talked about death. He talked about very charged, difficult subjects, but in a way that was very calm and loving. And so, I think when you sit down to tell your children, you, you know, you have to start with the facts and the truth. You know, mommy and daddy love each other. Daddy and daddy love each other. You know, we will always be a family. You know, you're going to give them the facts, but we're going to be living in separate homes and whatnot. But the key piece of it is. To make them feel safe. Right. So how do you go about doing that? Is that was that the question? Yeah. I lost track yeah, of the no, question. No, no, that is the question. And and do they? Like, mm-hmm. is it possible that you can actually get through this with your kids feeling okay? I believe the answer is yes. And I mm-hmm. believe that I've done it twice with mm-hmm. two kids. Now, they mm-hmm. were very young, mm-hmm. so there wasn't a huge transition for them. They mm-hmm. Neither of my boys actually even remembers when we all lived in the same house. Mm-hmm. That being said, they're pretty well adjusted. And I have mm-hmm. clients all the time that 
tell me these horror stories about how their kids are going through it. And I, my whole job for 25 years as a divorce attorney is don't judge. Just yeah. don't judge. Advise, mm-hmm. be compassionate, mm-hmm. but don't judge. It is hard for me when I see people who have similar situations to mine mm-hmm. and I hear that their kids are having such a hard time because I think, well, what did you do wrong? And mm-hmm. I know that I shouldn't be thinking that. Mm-hmm. Are, do kids process it differently, even if we as parents do everything right? Yes. First of all, I don't think there is any way to do everything right because you're going to mess up as you go. <laughs> you're going to fall down and go, oops, mommy, do over. Right. Rewind. Let me do that again. I, I shouldn't have said that. Let me say it from, from this perspective. So doing everything right in quotations would be not trash talking. Mm-hmm. So not trash talking uh, your ex is huge. So what does that look like? Everybody in marriage could benefit from not trash talking, right? You know, you're so slow versus it's really important for me to be on time. I'll use a personal example. Actually, when I say that, when I first got married and you don't know how it is to have baby kids and and get ready for a thing and you're breastfeeding or pumping or you making dinner. And I remember my husband had a business meeting and he said, it's very important to be on time because I'm hosting this meeting. And I said, sure, be in the car at seven. Sure, be in the course. Then my kid (laughs) wants pasta and I'm making the pasta and the broccoli and breastfeeding the other one. And I race into the car and it's 7.15 and I thought, "Uh uh-oh. Here I go. First real fight is about, you know, he's given me a week prep about being on time. And he looked at me and he said, how can I help you in the future? Oh, that's amazing. And I did. That's why Robin's still married. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that, and that's my point. Right. You're exactly right. That's why. And he said, because being on time is really important to me, but it seems like we need to divide and conquer more. Right. You were doing too many jobs, right? And how can we work as a team so that I can be on time and feel good about being on time and you can feel not resentful that you're blow drying your hair and making pasta at the same time? So that is why we're married. And it's funny you say that because that was the epiphany I had when I was sitting in the car is, oh, we're going to stay married because he owns the positive language, tone and language thing. Right. So I wrote a whole chapter in my book about not trash talking and permission to parent. I literally wrote a chapter called Don't Trash Talk because when you trash talk somebody, you're speaking from a place of anger and from your lowest self. And disrespect. And I think disrespect. that's a huge thing. People lose respect for each other for whatever yes. reason. Yes. And then it comes yes. through to their kids. Yes. And then what yes. do their kids think? Well, I'm part of that person, so she must not feel so great about me either. See, you're a good psychiatrist. <laughs> that's exactly right because you're knocking half half of your DNA. So what would love do, right? What that little guy said, what would love do? It's when you're knocking your your spouse and say, he's so slow, he's so irresponsible, he's so lazy, that's so typical of him and eye rolling and and all of that. You're knocking that son of yours at the same time. That's right. half of his DNA. So if we get into the whole stages of development in terms of a psychiatrist, how we look at development, you want to idealize your parents for, for at least a adolescence. Right. And then they're going to fall off the pedestal. No matter what you've done, you're off. Right. But you want the fall to be gradual and slow and graceful and not pedestal gutter. Right. And so when you're being so, you're full of contempt and anger and rage and you project that onto your spouse and your kids hear it, you're projecting that contempt and rage onto them. Right. So think if your husband wasn't in the room, would you like to directly look at your kid and speak that way? Never. Never. 
Right. Never. So I always call it editing, editing your internal monologue. So everyone could say that. Freaking asshole of a ex, deadbeat, blah, 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 who, whatever you want, a Disneyland parent who buys him stuff and gives him stuff and feeds him junky foods and lets him play video games all weekend. And I'm beside, have a party in your own head. Right. Knock yourself out. Or, Go talk or, to or counseling. I mean, you have or, to get it out sometimes. Uh, that was right. part two. Girlfriends, boyfriends, counseling. Uh, but out of earshot, guys. You and the yes, girls in the kitchen yes. around the island with the Chardonnay when the yes. kids are in the other room. Not okay. Yes. Out of earshot. And also, yes. you mentioned eye rolling, Robin. Yeah. It's not just what you say. Yes. It's how you behave. And yes. you mentioned sometimes parents will come in and not look at each other. How you behave both when your partner ex is not there. Yes. Oh, you're going to dad's eye roll. Yes. <laughs> That's not okay either. Either. That's yes. not withholding. That's yes. actually just as bad because your kids pick that up. And when he or she comes to the door to pick up, put on a happy face. Right. Fake it till you make it. This is I would you read the words out of my mouth. I was thinking this is I never say in therapy or very rarely fake it till you make it, except when it comes to couples who are separating. When it comes to two partners who are separating, I say fake it till you make it. Act as if. Act as if you can remember what it felt to love that person. Right. Act as if you were speaking to this person with, with the utmost respect. Because in John Gottman's research, who does all the research on divorce, he says he can predict who's going to stay married and who's going to get divorced. Like within seven seconds. It's like his, his statistics are staggering. He has a bunch of great books. He, he says the four horsemen, and one of them is contempt. So speaking with that lack of respect and contempt. <laughs> Sadly, I speak to everybody like that. I don't know. <laughs> but you said it perfectly. Girlfriends don't talk with the Chardonnay in the kitchen right. when your kids can hear you. And I had a woman who said, I'm not, I didn't say one word in my office. I didn't say one word. It was a family therapy session. And I was like, really? Because your kids would disagree. And they're like, mom, you crossed your arms. You rolled your eyes. You sighed. You were like, oh. You didn't say anything, but you said everything. Right, right. So we have to realize that we say everything with our energy. And that's why I'm pushing for the high road of this Mr. Rogers where he'll say, you know, divorce is so hard and it feels really sad. And mommy and daddy or daddy and daddy or mommy and mommy are going to live in separate places. Right. But we're our family. Love is always going to be we are always going to be a family because we're connected with love. Right. We're connected through love. So I think the piece is parents don't realize they think they're doing the high road and then they're having the Chardonnay in the kitchen. Right. I think it's a perfect example. Or they're on speakerphone and the girlfriend's like, how's that asshole doing? Oh, you know, right. And the kid is in the back seat. We really have to shield them, be an emotional buffer, give them a protective space and transitioning to when you. Go from house to house. I interviewed a mother for my book who said, I light a candle. I have a re-entry ritual <laughs> where whatever happened with their Disneyland dad who's giving him all the junk food and letting him stay up all night were in my home, my house, my rules, like light a candle, go take a shower, like makes it. She kept very much to the rules and the rhythm of right. her home. And I think you cannot control what happens at right. your ex's house. You'd be the You'd, best parent you can be. Yes. Because you can only change 
change yourself and your reactions. So you can have that inner, have a party in your head. I, one woman said, I feel like I'm vomiting in my mouth. <laughs> she said, I did your fake it to my make it and I'm gagging on my vomit. I said, good for you. <laughs> Gag on your vomit. Good for you. Gag in your mouth. Be as angry as you want and find a way to, to say things so that someone can hear you. Because you couldn't do it in marriage. Right. Or you'd still be married. But now's an opportunity to raise it up. I mean, our kids are our spiritual teachers, period. Right. They will tell us more than we ever want to know about ourselves <laughs> yes. if we're paying attention. Yes. And they hold up a mirror to your crap. So a funny story that my girlfriend, that I observed at my girlfriend's house, she was ragging on her husband. I went over for a play date. This is 100 years ago when my kids were little. And Just and, in case anybody's listening to Robin talking about things that were 100,000 years ago, she's quite young, actually. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. she's not like a 97-year-old yeah. crone she's, in here. She's a good old 52. <laughs> and she's lovely, and she's, she doesn't look 52 either. She's a good old 52. So I'm at my girlfriend's house, with, and she's ragging on her husband. We're just drinking coffee, and I'm like, whoo, 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 whoo. She's like... Peter, I told you to call the plumber. Like, how many times do I have to tell you to call the plumber? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, do, 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 drinking my coffee, trying to stay out of it. And her teenage son flashes me a look. And my girlfriend happens to see the teenage son. And she says, oh, so I have no one to blame when I get high-maintenance bitchy daughter-in-laws but myself. Nice. And I thought, there you have it. Right. right? You got it all right you got there. A, you got it all right there. Model what you want them to know. And if you want your kids to have healthy relationships, home is the school of love. Right. 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 You're modeling love or you're modeling hate or you're modeling contempt or disgust. And when you think, I guarantee you, people come into my office, we have nothing in common. We, I don't even know how we ever get married. There isn't a single thing we like about each other. I said, I beg to differ. Right. You children. Right. You love them madly. You share the biggest thing in the world. And everybody says that our children are our priority. So act like it. Right. It's not easy to gag on your own vomit. It's yeah. not easy. <laughs> but if you are really, if it really is so important, believe me, I went to college. I was in a sorority. Very. Um, I actually wasn't. But I went over to my friend's sorority and they actually had all the plumbing we work because so many girls were throwing up all yeah. the time and the yeah. acid was ruining oh. the pipes. Anyway. Oh. I, I, I'm sorry. But going back. It's a good gagging on your mom and image. We get it. We got it. We got it. But, but going back to this, I mean, again, labeling your co-parent is so, so, especially if you're labeling them with something bad, is so detrimental because that becomes the thing that your kids hear and see. And, and we did an article about this on the blog called Lessons Learned from Divorcing an Emotional Vampire. But that labeling your ex can be really, really detrimental because that's, again, what we said. Your kids say, oh, well, if my dad's this, mm-hmm. I must be half this. Mm-hmm. And it really is. It's is- funny. I wrote a whole article on Goop about narcissism because that's a very tough do. Yes. And a lot of people who actually read that article called up and said, I'm getting divorced. I understand. I'm like, oh, right. I felt. But it was seeing that they're all this lens of looking through your own lens only. And so narcissists or any of those emotional vampires, you have to realize you can't change that. No, you can just do you. You can just do you. And everybody, so I always think, so back to trash talking and what what does that entail? 
looking at your partner and saying, you're late, you're so irresponsible, right, when they show up, right? That's just, you know, I'm late for work. First of all, have a backup plan. Have a girlfriend, have a grandmother, have a plan B, because plan A has been a bust right. a lot of times. Right. If you know plan A has been a bust, have a plan B, so you're not sitting there seething. And Don't just set yourself up for yeah. the disappointment yeah. and the resentment. And the resentment, yeah. and then have that whole thing circle the drain. Because it's like you're rearranging furniture on the Titanic. Right. It's going down, right. right? And so have a plan A, have a plan B. But then when you greet your spouse, so if I could say anything about all the work I've done with couples, is the first seven seconds of them walking in the office, I'm done. I've got all the data I need. It's over. They walk in. They open the door for each other. They look at each other. They sit on my couch. They 99% sit down on either side of the couch. Don't look at each other. Don't acknowledge. And then they say to me, you know, I, I care about 223 or 323 or nesting or this one or what. Or tell me what to do. And I'm like, hold on. Back that's, up. Right. Let's, that's snorkeling. Let's scuba dive. Let's go deeper and understand that. The dynamic, that whatever you do, two, two, three, or this one, or nesting, or going back, how you treat each other is what will save your children. And if you couldn't treat each other with respect in marriage, you have an opportunity to begin again. Totally. When you have a little space from your spouse, so you're not so living and marinating in that kind of anger. You have a little space, and it takes time, let's be honest. So I hear your judgment, and I get it. You're like, take the high road. Gosh darn it, take the high road. But people have lived in these toxic environments, and they're so enraged, and they're so hurting, and then they have to take care of a child. It's a lot to ask. Yes. It's a tall order, and it requires a village. And how long, I mean, again, everybody's different, mm -hmm. totally get that, but when we we talk about letting go of the anger because yes you have to have some more to vent with your girlfriends or your family or a therapist how long should that take and again should have could have oh you're sounding I know. like you're a not, lawyer you're not gonna want oh my god i love this I just, lawyer psychiatrist i love it, this lawyer physician because it's like how long will it take remember what? the old thing when we were teenagers you, it takes you half the time of your relationship to get over the ex or whatever that's not right how but if, if you're if years years later you're still this angry is i think that, everybody grieves on their own time frame and everyone has their own work to do what gets in the way of real healing is anger and resentment and a lack of forgiveness. I bumped into somebody I knew who was getting divorced and she said, wow, forgiveness is the best revenge. Yes. I'm free. Yes. I'm free. But to get to that, she said it, you know, it takes a long time and everybody is on their own time frame. And what you resist persists, meaning people run their stories about divorce. He did this to me. She did this to me. She did this to me. He did this to me. He did this. How's that going for you? Right. Not right. so well. Right. You keep replaying and it's like childhood. We all replay our stories. My mother did this. My father did this. They didn't see me. They didn't accept me. They didn't love me. They didn't know me. They didn't honor me. Same could go to divorce. I wasn't seen. I wasn't valued. I wasn't known. That's some resent creating stuff right there. So ex first, first premise is to accept. Radical acceptance of this effing sucks. Right. Right? This really sucks. This is not the way I wanted it to go. And that radical acceptance piece is, is part one. You can't skip over to healing. Right. And you can't fast forward to healing. You've got to walk. You've got to realize that showing up and having a fight in front of your kids. You're late again. That's so typical of you. And the contempt stuff leaves your kids. You take one look at your kid's face. Ugh. And that's all you need to know. Leave them alone. Hug them, protect them, get in the car, smile, vomit on yourself, vomit in your own mouth, fake it till you make it, whatever our thing is, have a, right. have a, have a party of hate in your own head, but speak 
But edit that. Get the blood out of your amygdala, that primitive part of your brain that's like fear, anger, rage. And we have a higher cortical function in the front part of our brain that can say something in a way someone can hear you. So in couples in my office, it's like, you did this and you did this and you did that. I was like, okay, can you get out your UUs right. for the first five minutes? And then I want you to say, I feel. Right. I feel it would be super helpful if you could be on time versus I feel like you're a bum. Right. You're always late. It's so typical. It's a very different way to, you can't receive that message. It's not presidential. Right. It's not high road. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 television channels and thousands of movies on demand and completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. Are you getting that it's free? What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. Hey, it's Bailey and Caitlin. We have some really exciting news to tell you. We do. We have a secret for you. And it's that we have a podcast with Podcast One and Direct Message. It's called Just Between Us with Bailey. That's me. <laughs> Caitlin. All right. And we're sisters. We have new episodes airing every Tuesday. We are going to get down to the nitty gritty, guys. This is all about our journey together. And uh, don't worry, because it'll be just between us. Today on Divorce Sucks, we are joined by Associate Professor of Psychiatry at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA, the wonderful Dr. Robin Berman. Robin is also a founding board member of the Resnick Neuropsychiatric Hospital at UCLA. She is the author of Permission to Parent, How to Raise Your Child with Love and Limits, which has been published here in the U.S. and in the U.K. under the title, Hate Me Now, Thank Me Later. Dr. Berman is on the Parents Magazine Advisory Board. She's a featured contributor to the Today Parenting Team Online. And she is a regular contributor to Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop online blog. We're talking about parenting kids through divorce, co-parenting thereafter, and how to raise your kids to be kind. I know you've probably downloaded this podcast because you want solid information relevant to your experience or the experience you may be about to embark upon. And today's Divorce Sucks will not disappoint you. I will not hold you to any of these generalizations, and neither will our audience. But is it easier when your kids are teenagers and they're a little bit more self-absorbed? Is it easier when your kids are in elementary school? Is there a time that's better? So many people ask me, well, should I wait till they graduate from high school? Should I wait till they start high school? Should I wait till they're... Do you, have Based on what you've seen and what you know about developmental, you know, milestones for kids, any thoughts on that? Um, my thought when you say that, the first thing that comes to mind is it's never easy. Right. That's There's never a, a good time to there get divorced. There is no such thing right. like, should I wait till after spring break? Should I do it before? You know, there is no good time to get divorced. There is no set age that makes it a window. It's really about, so it's not about the time. It's really about how you handle it. So if your kid is an 
early elementary school and idealizing a parent, the best thing to do is not to knock him off the pedestal or her off the pedestal. Right. Because that that kind of harsh trash talking that ex, right, that that gets internalized. So at any point until you're 18 years old and you leave the house and then beyond that, how you're taught to love affects your self-esteem, right? It affects if you feel lovable. Kids who are divorced, am I, you know, I don't know. I never see as much I cause this. I know if you read any literature on divorce, I always say, oh, it's not your fault. It's right. not your fault. Kids are like, duh. Right. Every of time my, my office is like, I don't have anything to do with it. I'm not doing this. Right. right. I haven't really encountered a lot of kids. They're more concerned of what happens to me. Right. What? How, how's my life going to change? And am I, what, what's at the core of all human identity is am I lovable? Right. Am I worthy? Right. Am I lovable? And how lovable do you feel when the two people you love the most hate each other? Hate each other. Right. Hate each other. That's it. The two people you love the most hate each other. And so does that take a beating? And yeah, do I see a million people in my office whose parents got divorced from teenager from from every age and they carry the wound of the the battle cries I wish they had been grown up. Right. I wrote a whole chapter in my book in Permission to Parent called Being an Emotional Grown Up. You can't talk to your kids about dating. You can't use your kids as a therapist. They are not a therapist. They are not a life coach. And they are not going to buffer your anger from your husband. You're only going to create a much more uh, really messy dynamic. So and get a therapist. Talk to have a have a boyfriend who's your therapist, a girlfriend. Go to aerobics. Channel your energy in another way, but don't project it onto that. Now you life. dated yourself. There's no aerobics. Anymore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> go to Soul Cycle. Go to spin class. Uh, go to spin class. Go well, to Soul Cycle. And, and again, I, I have to say that actually translates. I think when kids are of an age where they're dating, parents, particularly moms, seem to like to talk to their teenage kids, particularly girls, about what is going on with their dads and what is going on in the next chapter of dating. Inappropriate. Beg you not to do that, right? Totally It's none of their business. And it's also, no, they have such divided loyalties. You don't want them to have divided loyalties. You want them to love both of you. It's better if for your child, if they can love both of you. Parents are always like, but he cheated and he was an ass. They're going to figure that out. Could have been a terrible husband. Doesn't mean he's a terrible father. Father. Yeah, doesn't beautifully put. I love that. And your Actually, kids, that's beautifully put. Your kids have a right to, to have them. both parents. Yes. I mean, to say, yes. like, he's an asshole, he screwed me yes. over, and therefore I'm going to protect them from him, wrong. Right. He's not doing that to them. Right. He, they have a right to figure out whatever it is that they may or may not like about their other parent. On their own time. Back off. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll, and they'll get there. Yeah. I mean, they'll figure out down the road where the truth lies. And if you're always taking the high road, and you're that parent who's not trash talking the other one they figure that out very oh, quickly yes very quickly and then you really look out. good yeah <laughs> they really like you more so that's really how you want to go and and the truth is we want them to love both of them yes so profoundly because then they love so, themselves then they love themselves yes. that's the recipe to self-love that's the recipe to self-love so if you could think of all the things you're screaming at your spouse that you're screaming it directly to your kids wagging the finger in your kid's face and spitting Which out i do that. enough of on my yeah. own just for my kid i don't even have to worry about 
up saying it to their dads. Right. So it's 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 getting back to again that sense of and if you you have to look at yourself with a wise mind because you can get in the weeds and you can really get in your own story and it's probably very valid. Right. That they didn't show up or they're irresponsible or they missed a payment or they're whatever they're doing. I'm sure your list is very real and very valid. But throwing out the list and getting a little bit of a like a bird's eye view on your own self, which might require forgetting aerobics since I'm yeah. old going to yoga, going to soul cycle, going for a walk and having that space to be still and meditate and choose your response. So in between stimulus and response, there's choice. So you, everybody wants to rage and scream and yell and, but in that middle before you respond before that reflex you have choice right so if you give yourself a little bit of space to breathe and to say what would love do what would my highest self do how can i say this in a way that i'm going to get heard because your needs are not going to get met right so if you, you're raging at your ex they're going to rage back or they're going to shut down right those are your two options right they're going to get defensive or they're either going to shut down and walk away and say screw this person right so you're going to miss again a possibility to reconnect right. it started in love it can end in love. Like you said, you're very high road and your exes that go into the houses and everybody, well, it's an unconscious uncoupling. They're, yeah, they're my, they are my best allies in mm-hmm. the journey of parenthood because I have a really crazy schedule. I'm a litigator. I've got this startup company. Mm-hmm. And so there are times when I will call one or both and say, guys, they don't like to be texted at the same time. So I have to <laughs> be two separate Guys, really need your help. You know, need to be on a flight to New York mm-hmm. super early tomorrow morning. Can the, can the guy sleep at your house? you know, tonight, whatever. And nine out of 10 times, they're like, absolutely no problem. If it is a problem, they're right there with me trying to find a solution to it. Again, they are the best in terms of helping me out. And I, and I, for them, if they need something, we all accommodate each other. You know, we had the fires here in Malibu last week. My parents were staying at my house. Both of them were there visiting, making sure, does anyone need a ride? What can we do? It's, it's a family. And that really, you've said that a couple times now, we don't all live under the same roof anymore and we don't all sleep in the same bed anymore mm-hmm. but we are still a family for and life. we and for we life. have each other's backs absolutely mm-hmm. for life and the and the people that come with that family like a lot of times people say our very very busy season in the divorce industry is usually right after holidays. the holidays because mm-hmm. people start calling in January I cannot mm-hmm. do one more mm-hmm. Christmas with the in-laws and mm-hmm. those people come along too you might have always hated your mother-in-law yeah. now for the most part you're free of her but guess what she's still your kid's grandparent you got to figure it out you got to send the school pictures every year when Mm -hmm. they come you have to make a card for her birthday and Mm -hmm. send it if she doesn't live local that's your job again it may also be her son's job or daughter's job, but that's part of it because you want to raise, and I'm going to quote your article here, the art of raising kind kids. Mm-hmm. Kids that have... Because you're modeling the kindness. Yes. You're, you're sending the card. You're saying call grandma. And, and you also brought up a great point, which is emotional flexibility. So, and I don't know anything about the law. You're a lawyer. I'm a doctor. But the law part... There's some flexibility within, oh, my gosh, I have to go to New York tonight. Is it possible? And the the fluidity, to have a little bit of fluidity over time makes a big difference. Yes. You forgot a homework assignment. It's at the other parent's house. There's more materials there. Can I spend the night at mom's tonight? And I'll come. To have that flexibility and to not be so rigid over time, that's what I would hope for people as they go. Because that that you know emotional flexibility creates resilience for the yes. kids. And to counting- see that you're 
you're able to be flexible roll and with it roll and with helpful. It. That's a great thing to model right there. Yeah. And, great and, thing to model right and there. And knowing that everybody, and the kids know everything that you're doing is for them. My, mm-hmm. my older son when he was really little, probably like three or four, had a terrible stomach bug, and he was at his dad. So throughout the night, I was getting calls from David saying, he threw up again, and I changed the sheets. I said, do you want me to talk to him? Hi, baby, you okay? Oh. Yeah, Mom, I don't feel well. Give him a little bit of broth. Give him mm-hmm. a little this. Okay, fine, called again. He threw up again. I changed the sheets. He, the f- fourth time he called me, he said, I got to bring him over to you. And I yeah. said, okay, are you okay? Or is it, are you frazzled? He said, I'm fine. I just don't have any sheets left. Yeah. <laughs> I have to bring him here. And having that, you know, like you said before, it takes a village. So the first two members of the village are the parents, but then you've got whatever, nannies, housekeepers, good friends that are neighbors, family Mm -hmm. members, open it up, make that village available to your ex so that Mm -hmm. he or she feels comfortable reaching out to your support system as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then he came over and threw up on all of my sheets too. (laughs) But he said afterwards, I'm so glad that daddy was like, okay, bringing me here because I got to sleep in my bed there and then I got to sleep in my bed here. And I felt so much better both places knowing nobody was angry at me. Don't count days, folks. I always have clients because when you get into the mm-hmm. legal of it all, mm-hmm. it's days, it's percentages. I need to have 50-50. That means mm-hmm. I need to have this day. Don't do that. Don't do that to Love your kids. Love doesn't have a number, no. right? Love doesn't have a number. It doesn't. You can't divide it up. It's like saying when you have siblings, that's not fair. This one did the dishes that day. It, right. it doesn't work like that. Right. Right? It, that's not what – Love is not a pie chart where you get a limited amount of pieces. Yes. And so I think the motto is the more you give to your ex, the more you actually get, not only for your children, but for yourself. Mm-hmm. That flexibility, that safe spot to depend on that person or creating, like you say, the village where you can depend. But having the, the sheets and the vomit is a perfect example. He felt vulnerable. He David. didn't vomit in his mouth, yeah. obviously. <laughs> he vomited all over those sheets. We're really spending a lot of time on vomit today. He, you know, he, that piece of knowing that he had he had both his mommy and his daddy and he, they're going to take care of him and they're going to work as a team because that protects that that life is most important. And people say, I can't think of one thing I'm grateful for for my ex, for your child. Sure. Right? And that's for all. Their, that's let's say for their height. There. Yeah. They're, they're, let's just start just start the list because you could be hateful or grateful. Right. right. And when you choose that, you know, energy field, now I'm sounding very California, of that higher vibration. Everybody has a lower vibration where you're in anger, contempt, whatever. And then if you raise it up and you say, sure, bring him over to vomit on my right. sheets. Right. You know, it's not my time, but bring him over to vomit. You need help. I'm there for you. That give and take, that fluidity, that models everything you need to know for for a child. And so just think about whatever you're going to say to your spouse, you say directly to your kid, that should really stop you in your tracks. Yeah. And I mean, I have parents that I, you know, they'll talk to me the next day. Oh, my kid was so sick last night. Did you tell the mom? I didn't want to tell her because she'll blame me and then I'll hmm. share. Yeah. Tell them. Bring yeah. them into it. Again, sometimes the mom might say, this is my night off. Right. Sorry, I can't help you out with that. But for the most part, they're going to want to know their kid's sick. Nobody's yeah. going to blame you for it. Yeah. Sharing that information, having that communication, super important. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it may be that your ex really is just an asshole. And you may consistently be flexible, emotionally flexible, bend over backwards, try to help Correct. out. And he or she may never reciprocate. Oh, well. Right. 
Oh, well, you did the right thing yeah. for your kids. Yeah. Oh, well, you did. And so, you know, that's the thing to keep. They have big emotions around this. They're going to have sadness. They're going to have anger. And talking about it and being a safe place for them to talk about it, not the other parent, but their feelings. Right. Because talking about feelings diffuses big feelings, right? And so there's a famous expression, name it to tame it. Wow, you're feeling really angry right now. You're feeling really sad right now. That diffuses big emotions and creates a more integrated brain. And so your your brain on love looks very different than your brain on hate. It just does. It just does. Literally, you can see your brain on love when they see maternal, a new baby. They scan a new right. mom's brain. Right. The bliss, the, whatever. The, there's a lot of love on the brain. And so we have the ability to change ourselves at any point and be the highest version of ourselves. And if there isn't a time that's more difficult and more charged to be that highest form. If you can do that, you're like a superhero, right? right? If you can get through that, and and like Michelle Obama says, when we go low, they go. When we right. go high, you know, low. That when they go low, we go high. Go high yourself, right. right? Go go to the highest place. And by the way, I know I'm probably not supposed to say this, but here's the thing: when you do, you become so much more physically attractive. All mm-hmm. the angry people walking around out there, mm-hmm. being pissed off at their exes and with their faces all squinched up. Mm-hmm. And I know you can't see their brains. Mm-hmm. But if you could see their brains on hate, mm-hmm. not good. Mm-hmm. When you actually are feeling mm-hmm. good and forgiveness, mm-hmm. and it's all good, and I and I'm in that higher vibe, like mm-hmm. you said, you're sending out vibes for like, hey, yes, I'm I'm an I'm somebody that is attractive emotionally, yes. physically. Yes. That's who you want. And I'm going to get with. a second chance. Yes, I always think it's very courageous to to get divorced. I think sometimes life rewards the brave. Yeah, and it's a real act of bravery to say, I want more, I deserve more, right? And I wrote an article called how to spot an emotional grown-up on Goop. Like, what, what would I do differently? How do I find somebody who's really more high road this way? But first, you have to be that yourself. Yes. And first, you have to realize that love is, is – people think love is a feeling as opposed to a force or a verb. It's daily acts of grace. That that sheet story is the perfect one. It's small daily acts of grace. And it may it, smell like throw up, yeah. but it still is love. It, it's still love and peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, you're married and your spouse makes a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for you and one for your kid and you say thank you so much. Right. We forget to have the same manners to our own family that we have to other people. It's like you're on a couch and you want to watch the video and you say to your spouse, move over. Right. Would you ever go up to someone and say, move over? You'd say, can you scooch near me? I right. want to be. Can you scooch over? I want to sit next to you. Right. Everything you say has the power to draw somebody in or push repel them away them. Right. or repel <laughs> them. It's energy, and every so think about the daily acts of grace and the way you treat. And so, if you the fake it till you make it part when you drop off your kid at your spouse's house. If you can't bring it to yourself to hug them, hi, right. how are you? Oh, the kids are so excited to be with you. Or say something. So the positive, jump back to John Gottman, it's a, a ratio of positive to negative. So he says, I forget if it's seven to one or whatever, but it's a very specific formula for every seven nice things you have one thing that's more critical or, right you know more constructive as I seven to, to one say. i like those odds though that's, yeah you know. and those that was the that was the marriage odds that was what predicted a long-lasting marriage was the balance of of your words of positive to negative. and that's so often when people say to me how do i know how do i know if it's time to get divorced i actually say you have to balance mm-hmm. when does the bad start to outweigh the good yes and yeah. again if it's seven to one in the other direction yeah. maybe time yeah. to move on yeah yeah or 
get help and see if you can work on that. Absolutely. You know, as step one, go get some help and see if it's possible to, to work on to that. To get those communication tools that could fix this. Something people are often uncertain about is the difference between legal custody and physical custody. I was actually speaking to a prospective client over the weekend, and he said, just slow it down for me or for one second in legal terms, because we hear these things thrown around so often. Tell me the difference between legal custody and physical custody. So, at least in California, legal custody pertains to decisions about your children's medical needs, academics, religion, etc., out-of-country travel, all of those kind of big-ticket health and welfare items are legal custody. And almost always, parents share joint legal custody because we should be making these decisions together. Physical custody pertains to actual parenting time and where the child spends their days and nights. And generally, in California, we share joint physical custody, even if it's not 50-50, even if mom has every other weekend and one night during the week and dad has the rest of the time, it's still joint physical. Mom may be the primary physical custodian. We're actually moving away from that a little bit. I don't love these labels and percentages because I see that they actually get thrown back onto the kid. And then the kid thinks, well, if I'm with mom 75% of the time and dad 25% of the time, then obviously she's my quote primary parent and maybe more important, loves me more more, I should love her more. Those things shouldn't matter as most. Sometimes they go into how we calculate child support, and that's why people seem to make them important in the litigation. We usually, in my field, try to separate those things. In most custody cases, the best shared custody maps out something that makes sense for the kids and for the parents, and it's going to depend on how far apart the parents live, what the kids' schedules are, how old they are, what the parents' schedules are. I've often had someone say to me, why on earth would my kids be home with a sitter if he or she has a board meeting every Tuesday night? Let's switch it so Tuesday night they're with me and figure something else out. We have something called a right of first refusal. If one parent that is supposed to have custody is going to be away for more than 12 or 24 hours, they must present to the other parent, hey, would you like them tonight and get that response? They don't have to, but they can. We generally in my field find that for younger children, more transitions is better, even if it might be a pain for the parents, but it's better for them to have more contact with each parent on frequent basis, whereas older kids can go for longer periods of time. And you mentioned the 223, the 225. We've talked about this on the show. Tell us from what you've learned, Robin, about how kids develop, how it works for them, not in terms of co-parenting, but just in terms of transitions. I've had mm-hmm. so many like teenage girls say, it's really hard for me mm-hmm. to pack up stuff and have to mm-hmm. go to dad's house. I'd rather be here. Mm-hmm. They're starting to get their periods. That's uncomfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Younger kids may do better going back and forth, but sometimes it's hard to be in a different bed. Mm-hmm. Tell us some of the things that you've learned just about developmentally, how kids can fare better through this process of transition. Yeah, because it's very different when you're talking about a teenager versus a toddler. I mean, it just brings up a whole... So developmentally, that, you know, early preschool age, they are very egocentric. It's their world. They also still believe in Santa and the Tooth Fairy. So complex discussions of divorce and feelings and um, should really be left out of the discussion and just a clear path. You're going to be at daddy's house and you're going to be sleeping in mommy's bed and you're, you know, that that whole piece, that early preschool years. Then when you get into that kind of three to six-year-old, they have more of a sense of really understanding what it means to live in separate in separate spaces. 
so I'm with you. The more time with both parents, that being said, if the parent is an alcoholic or if the parent's abusive, that, that we're not talking about that. Off. All yes. bets are off. So that is not part of this discussion today. That's a whole separate discussion. But from from that, you know, three to six year old, it is more easy to be fluid and go from house to house when you're little. You don't have a lot of stuff. Like you said, you don't have your period. You don't have that much homework, you know, in the same way. And so being fluid and flexible and going, it's the best is the, mo- the more contact, the better with right. both, whether you're at the other person's house and you're Skyping or whatever you're doing to keep connected. I love you. You are so important to me. That sends the message they're lovable. Um, when you get into the teenage years, I've seen in my own practice, things really change. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it was 50-50, you know, going back and forth, a lot of times the the daughter will say, you know, I'm more comfortable just staying at home with my mom. A lot of times, you know, the boy goes with the same gender. It but it's more about they're separating themselves from you. Right. And then they're, it's it's a little complicated. I say, right? like, they're not going to want to be with either one of you. Right. Don't fight so yeah. much. I mean, yeah, because that's <laughs> the truth. And, and you know, their whole thing is they you want to hold your kids tight in adolescence and mm-hmm. let them feel connected and love. But their journey is to kind of separate from you. And, it, and I think being fluid and flexible is the key to adolescence. So if they're getting their period and they're feeling like PMS and they want to stay with their mom and having that phone call, would it be okay if I had her tonight? and you get her tomorrow, if you keep the gates open like that to fluidity, you're only being in service to your kid, yourself, and everybody else. So I think it, it does get a little more complicated the older they get. And then it gets easier. You know, right. they become people. They drive. They don't. You don't have to be texting for arrangements. Right. They have their own phone. They drive over to dad's house. They drive over to mom's house. So that part, you know, ultimately it gets easier on the other side. But I think you're right. It is very different developmentally what you tell them. So if you... If a kid is uh, early preschool or before, let's say zero to three, you know, and they believe in the tooth fairy or four and five years old. My nine-year-old still believes right. in the tooth fairy. And you tell, them, you tell them that the dad's a monster. Right. They're going to believe you. Yes. Right. Or think about that. Right. They don't have, they don't know truth from their, actually their brain waves are in a dreamlike state. Mm-hmm. I always found that such a fancy medical school fact that really early young kids, their brain waves are literally, some of theirs awake are like ours asleep. Wow. So that whole dreamlike magical quality of children, let's keep that pure, right? right? And not project monster, your dad's awful, unreliable, but all that, even if they don't understand the words, they understand the energy behind it. And that's why I keep pushing Mr. Rogers because he'll say, Wow, you see the dead goldfish at the bottom of the pond. That fish died. He's not moving. It, you know, it's this curious, calm, and loving way he says things. He holds the feeling right. so beautifully. Today we're dancing around people's feelings. They don't want to say things to kids. They don't want, they're treating their kids like they're fragile. Right. If you treat your kids like they're fragile, they'll stay fragile for life. Right. So telling kids about divorce at those different developmental stages is very difficult. But if you remember, say the facts. And when they're little, you don't want to give them TMI. Forget TMI. It's like the sex talk. You don't want to give them all the – just answer the question at hand. Right. Don't extrapolate. I used to say to my husband, roll it back, roll it back, roll it back. Stop talking. (laughs) Just answer the question, right, right, about kissing. Let's not move on. Just (laughs) answer the question at hand. And it's the same. 
same with divorce. What's going to happen to me? Where, what, where am I going to be? Where are my things going to be? Just answer the questions as they come up. And as your kids age, the questions get more complicated. Right. And believe me, you need the extra time to figure it out. I remember when I was pregnant with my second son, my older son was four. So he said, so explain to me how the baby got in there. And yeah. I said, well, so you want to talk about how babies are made? And he said, yes. And he was a very scientific little kid. Yeah. He loved bugs and he yeah. loves reptiles. We still have an outstanding amount of reptiles in our home, sadly. But anyway, so I said, okay, well, what happens is the daddy puts his penis in the mom's vagina and he said, how does it get in there? And I said, well, it gets erect and hard. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm out. And he went, <laughs> TMI, I'm done. They are good right. self-monitors. Right, a lot right. of the time he's like, I don't want to hear yeah, that. That's yeah. disgusting, yeah. man. Yeah, they are good self-monitors. They're, they know where they're, they're so just short and sweet and, you know, answer the question at hand and developmentally know as kids age, the questions get more complicated. So what really happened? How What was it like when you met, you know, your partner? Right. What, what did you feel? They're going to, it's going to get very complex and, and be more triggering to you, honestly. It's much later kids little problems right big kids bigger problems it's much easier to like you said when they're very little they don't know any different right and they're not going to remember but what you don't want them to remember from a neuro standpoint a neurological standpoint is loss right and grief that gets marked on the brain it's pre-verbal so right. if you lose let's say a spouse to death before the age of three that's actually imprinted in the brain the structure of a developing brain because parents are brain sculptors right. as our brains are Oh, evolving. Like Parents are brain brains. sculptors. We literally sculpt our children's brains. You know, that's why they have a soft spot. Right. We're the only people who come in with that space in the frontal lobe. So the brain keeps expanding and growing and a brain grows better on love. Period. It grows better on love. That's why kids in orphanages, you know, have different brains when you right. look at their brains. So the point is, at every age, it's complicated, but it is a little bit easier when they're preverbal and you just can smoothly transition and they're not going to have a lot of memory if it wasn't screaming, yelling, right. harsh. That That's not going to get locked Weeping. in their brain. Um, weepy, <laughs> weepy. And don't, your your kid is not your therapist. Right. I cannot say that enough. They are not your cry therapist. Cry in the shower, folks. Cry in the shower. Don't cry on your son's shoulder. Don't do it to him. Don't do it. I had a, a teenage boy come to my office. He was like 19 and he's like, I'm not a man. And I said, how do you mean? He said, I'm not, when my mom comes to me, I'm not, I'm not a trained therapist. I, I, I never, I don't have a PhD or an MD. I feel really uncomfortable, but then I don't want to make her feel bad. So I'm <sighs> hugging her and comforting her. And I just don't have the skills. What do I don't say? Don't do that to your kid. Don't do it. Don't do <sighs> it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Cry to, to somebody else, not to your child. Don't keep your tears and your anger away from them as much as possible. What about nesting? Working it all out is different, but have you seen clients, patients yes. who have done that? And yeah. short term, is it okay? In the Does short term, I think yeah. it works. In the short, long term, it gets sticky because of dating other people. Yes. Once they get serious with other people, that nesting thing kind of right. Nesting. The folks, bird flies off the nest. The for, nest is over. For those of you who haven't heard us talk about it on the show before, nesting is where the kids stay in the family residence and the parents kind of rotate out. So mom's time, she's there, then she goes elsewhere. Whether it's a friend's house, another apartment that the couple keeps together, or they each have separate places, and dad's there. So you have your 
your custodial time with your kids and your kids don't have to move or transition into a different space. And we actually have something that Beth Burnrent wrote on our It's Over Easy blog, Post-Divorce Parenting, What's the Deal with Nesting? I wanted to make sure that you kind of agreed with me, Robin, that generally this works best for a transitional period, yes. not long-term. It's very hard to kind of move on with your life yes. if you're nesting. There's so much psychology going back to the... I actually have a, a good girlfriend who's nesting now in the very early stages of divorce, and it works great now. It works great now. But the, because, you know, the kids get to stay and they get to stay in their room with their stuff and there's less, you know, bringing the backpack and whatever. But as you get further into... First of all, it keeps you a little stuck. You're seeing your same old house and your same... Um, you know, environment, and right. that's triggering to you right. and emotionally charged, I'm sure, in a bunch of ways. But over time, when you get serious about somebody else, and th- there's hope in divorce. The yes. hope is that you're going to find love again. Yes. and that The you're... hope is you're courageous enough to take a leap of faith to know that you can get a second chance at, at, at having real love and doing it differently. So I think it works in the short term in a beautiful way. In the long term, the minute you start dating other people, uh, that you it just works less well. So as a short term solution, sh- sure. It's okay. I, I, I agree. You will note that on our It's Over Easy Insights blog, I wrote a co-parenting during the holidays article and there's tools that you can share. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, Robin. Are there any tiny tips you can give us with newly single parents out there who are maybe going through their first post-divorce or post-separation holiday period? Yeah, I I think to honor the feeling that it's very tough. I think mm-hmm. you have to start with the truth. It's very tough. When I was a resident and would work in the hospital, hospital. At Christmas and Christmas Eve, we'd get the most suicide patients who come in. I just feel so lonely. I feel like everybody else is having such a wonderful time and I don't have a space. So I think that holidays are charged times because you have all these supposed to be. Right. It's supposed to be so fun. It's like it's supposed to be so. So you have all this expectation that's usually a bunch of baloney anyway. Right. Exactly. I was just right? going to say it's not. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's not all that. And so sometimes if you're if you're going into your exes for the holidays or you're going to see your mother-in-law putting on like an invisible shield. Yeah. Fake you know, it you make it. Yeah. Go in the bath, sit in your car and take a moment and think about how you want to be and, uh, you know, protect yourself in any ways that, that, that you practice need to. Practice smiling in yeah. the rearview mirror. Yeah. You look so much better anyway. It's okay. There's smile. neurochemistry to that, by the way. Yeah. I've, actual, I've heard that. There's actual neurochemistry to, when you smile that you actually, it does affect so, so much of how your brain develops. This is the part of our podcast that we call the interrogatories, which is a legal term. But I'm going to make you do it. Okay? I love how we're exchanging these yes. medical legal stuff. Yes. Okay. All right. So, are you divorced, married, or single? I think we know. Married. Okay. Yeah. And- after that story, <laughs> still married. By the way, what Language. can I do to help you? My yeah. favorite thing. Yeah. I'm going to use yeah. that. Okay. If I ever find a husband. Okay. What is your favorite breakup song? Breaking up is hard to do. Come on, come on, down, down, down. Breaking up is hard to do. Yes. Okay. And what would you say to cheer up a friend, maybe this one who's nesting now, who's going through a breakup? I wouldn't try to cheer them up. I think that would be really important. I would try and hold the space of healing and love. And I would say, I wish I could push fast forward for you because it's going to be so much better a year from now. And I know I've lived through, watched it a thousand times in my own practice. I wish I could push fast forward. But right now, it sucks. Right. you got to get <laughs> right through now, this. Right now, you got to get sucks. through this. And you got to take care of yourself and you have to have a ton of self-compassion. You cannot start doing the guilt trip of, I shouldn't have done this, I'm breaking up my family. All of that is just toxic noise right. in your brain, and it doesn't help you at all. Move so, on move to be on. the best yeah. you. Just fast forward. What romantic comedy could you watch over and over? Oh, so easy. Love, actually. 
Oh, love. I love love. Oh, my God. Because all the different forms of love. And they have infidelity in there. And they they have lots of different forms of love in there. By the way, is it Kristen Scott Thomas or Emma Thompson? Who's the one that, oh, that scene where she's in the room and she finds the necklace and she knows it's not for her. But even, but even, I don't know if it's the in credits or the out credits at the airport, seeing all the people coming home from the holidays and the looks on their faces as they're reuniting with their families, whether it's romantic lovers or kids or grandparents. Love it. Great movie. I think that's the thing is that movie starts with, you know, I don't, people talk about hate and whatever, but when you're at the airport, all you see, I was just there yesterday, actually, at the airport, it's fat kissing people. and <laughs> oh, hug. Oh, okay. Now you're sounding really LA. Now you're sounding really, is, is kissing and hugging and connection Reunite, and flowers reunited. and signs yes. and, you know, so you could think about that for divorce, actually, yes. having transition routines. I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> I missed you so much. I love you so much. You're so lovable. You put on a little weight. Dad and <laughs> Sorry. Dad and I love you so much. Mom and mom love you so much. I love this. Um, we're go- we could go on all I, we day. We could go on all day. But I have a feeling day. we're getting the signal to stop here. Robin, tell the parents and others in our audience how they can reach you. So you can reach me. I have permission to parent.com is my website. Mm-hmm. And um, Dr. Robin Berman at UCLA. Medschool.ucla.edu mm-hmm. is in how I oh. have it in here. It's at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Permission to Parent is Robin's book. She is a frequent contributor to Goop, so check her out there. It's Over Easy is the one-stop total breakup and divorce resource online. We are building a community of people who know divorce is happening and who want to find a better way to do it. Check out our evolution of dissolution. We call it that because it's a way of people connecting and forming a community that deals with breakups and divorce. Um, You can check us out on social media at It's Over Easy by logging on to itsovereasy.com, clicking the community tab to find the index where you can connect with Dr. Berman and a variety of other professionals who can provide you with support before, during, and after a breakup. It's over easy, but it still takes a village. I'm Laura Wasser. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for being here, Dr. Berman. I know divorce sucks, but it doesn't have to be that way. 